Hello and welcome to this Burning Heart podcast, part of the series Prayer Learning from Jesus. Like all our series, it was originally written for film uh, and we think it works best on film, but there are lots of reasons why you might want to use a podcast version instead. My name's David Ingle and I'm the founder and leader of Burning Heart and this is episode three, Why Didn't God Answer? It's a very personal episode for me because it's taken me back to the hardest moments in my life. We filmed the opening scene for this episode at a loch near my childhood home in Scotland. And it's both one of my favourite places in the world and a place of pain and sadness for me. The sadness is because it was there that my father died. No one quite knows what happened that day but he was clearing a blockage from the sluice gate of a dam when something went wrong. He was trapped under the dam and drowned. I'll never forget my mum's words on the phone. Daddy's dead. I remember just screaming into the night and sobbing. I can't really describe to you the pain and the darkness that I felt, but it was awful, just awful. I was in my 20s at the time and training to become a pastor. I was actually away on a retreat and I'd spent the whole afternoon praying. I don't remember specifically what I'd been praying for, but I imagine my family and my dad were part of the prayer. And I do remember sitting with dad's body the next day and praying for a miracle, for resurrection. But it didn't happen. And that's the great struggle for us as Christians who believe in prayer, who believe in a God who loves us and who can change situations like that and can do any miracle and yet so often seems not to answer our prayers. And we wonder, why not? In the midst of our suffering, so often what we cry is, why? And yet, strangely, what we long for in that moment is rarely the answer to our question, but something deeper. Anyone who's walked through the darkness can tell you there are few things less helpful than someone trying to explain everything to you. And one thing I love about the Bible's response to unanswered prayer and suffering is that it allows us to struggle and question and weep. And I love the Psalms and particularly the struggling Psalms when they rail and shake their fists at God and question, why, how long, where are you? And other bewildered, hurting or even angry questions. Sometimes they can be almost shocking in their frankness. Shocking, that is, until you read them next to the darknesses of life. And then they just seem real, beautifully and unvarnishedly real. And in that realness and honesty, there's a glorious permission. God not only allowed all this to be said, he wanted it in the Bible. He can take it. He doesn't mind it. He wants us to just let it all out in our prayers. And these Psalms are there to help us when we struggle in the darkness and rail and don't know. The greatest example of doing that, using the Psalms in our darkest moments, comes on the cross when Jesus cried out the opening lines of Psalm 22 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The irony is that Jesus knew the answer. He'd taught and prophesied it countless times. And yet there on the cross, as he experiences the fullness of the desolation and darkness of the world, it becomes a wounded and bewildered cry. And as we look on him in that moment, we realise that God's greatest answer to our suffering and the problems of unanswered prayer isn't a well-argued treatise, but himself. He enters into and validates and gives meaning to all the struggles and suffering of his people throughout the ages in that moment. And if you're struggling with unanswered prayer, the first thing I want to do is to give you permission to struggle. You don't need to get it together or sort yourself out. It's okay to sit a while with the psalmists and with Jesus in the darkness, undone, bewildered, even angry. And sometimes that can be a shattering moment, like for me when my dad died, and many of you will have experienced far worse. But often our struggles particularly perhaps with unanswered prayers, can be long and ongoing. And sometimes like a little stream gently undermining the bank against which it flows, over the course of years, even small struggles can undermine and erode our faith and hope in prayer. One of my inspirations in prayer is Pip Goring. And her story of unanswered prayer is very different from mine. Not a moment of tragedy, but a long time of struggling and praying and nothing seeming to happen, which is something that most of us can probably relate to. She moved to the UK from South Africa when she got married, aged 21, and she found the change hard. The culture was different, the local church dry and formal, and she prayed and prayed for years and then decades that God would send spiritual renewal on her, on her family, and on the land they own and manage. So, Pips, thanks so much uh, for being willing to, to chat about prayer with me now. So lovely. So nice to do that. I feel very privileged. When you moved over here, yes, yes. Um, I know one of the things you found really hard was yes. that, that suddenly all your sort of spiritual supports were yes. kind of yeah. cut away yeah. and you found yourself in a very different yeah. situation, a very unfamiliar one. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I came into a very different culture. Um, from what I'd been used to, quite formal, and um, church was very formal. I th it was. I kn I knew that Jesus was there, um, and I could pray to him, but it was crying a lot. I remember, um, like I feel alone. I feel lonely. I feel misunderstood. Um, Jesus, help really again, um, and I would. I think it it was I was um in, incredibly dry it was a dry very dry time for me um because there was no f food spiritual food um there was there was just knowing that Jesus was there but like um, not feeling that he was really there. Feeling abandoned even by him. I felt abandoned by Jesus. I felt abandoned by um by lots of things really in in how have I found how have I ended up here in this almost alien situation um 
and it wasn't that alien, but it, it just, um, the weather was different, the, the, the people were different, the way things were done were different. Um, and um, I think I just accepted it and just thought, okay, got to get on. Um, I am praying and praying and praying for a vicar who is spirit-filled, is going to come and the church to be opened and God to come, basically, the Holy Spirit to come and land on our land, really. Um, something, Lord, a breakthrough, please, a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. And, and you just continued to pray? Just continued, just continued, to, continued. And um, because it was imperative that I did, I, I literally, it was like, don't deny me, you know. God often seems not to answer our prayers, either in a moment or, like for Pip, over years. And frustratingly, so often we have no idea why. On a big picture level, there are answers. The Bible actually gives us lots. God can be at work to do something better. Sin or wrong motives can block us off from God. Spiritual attacks can cause delays. Or sometimes we can just forget to pray at all and more. But in the details, we rarely know why. Why wasn't that prayer answered? And that confronts us with a choice. What are we going to do about it? As we saw last time, to pray in Jesus' name is not only powerful, it's surrendered. It means asking for God's will to be done, even if it isn't my will. And that's hard. We've touched on how the psalmists so often struggle with God in their prayers, but we often miss how amazing it is and how important that they do struggle with God. They don't walk away or give up. They take their pain and bewilderment and anger and they bring it all to God. Again, perhaps our greatest example of this is Jesus himself, this time in the Garden of Gethsemane. I love that he went somewhere beautiful and probably familiar for him. And there he wrestles with God in prayer. He tells the disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he asks and repeats and even begs for God to rescue him from what's about to happen from the cross, saying, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. It's raw and honest and painful. Unanswered prayer is hard. It rocks us. It challenges us. If Jesus found it hard, we will too. But in the end, each time he prays that beautiful but hard prayer of surrender, your will be done. Your will be done. Words he also taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer and which are at the heart of all Christian prayer. We may never know why God didn't give us the answer we wanted. But always the call is the same. Even in our Gethsemane struggles to somehow pray, I want this, but your will be done. Prayer is not power over God. In prayer, we surrender with God. And what does that surrender look like for you? It can be small or large. For most of us at various times, it's both. But it'll be different for all of us. So rather than Pip or me telling our stories at this point, I want to reflect on yours just in a moment of silence and ask, can you pray 
your will be done. The great paradox of unanswered prayer, though, is that even as we're called to surrender, to pray, your will be done, we're also called to carry on praying anyway. We've looked before at Jesus' teaching in Luke 11, where he gives us the Lord's Prayer. But people often skip over the parable he tells just afterwards. It's the story of going round to a friend's house in the middle of the night and asking them for food for a guest. The friend initially refuses, the door's locked, everyone's in bed. But in the end, persistence pays off and that changes. Jesus concludes... Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. It's quite a jarring story, seemingly encouraging us to badger God in our prayers with shameless audacity, which is probably why many people skip over it. But I think that's important because it encourages us not to give up in our praying. We're allowed to struggle and disagree and carry on asking, even as we pray, your will be done. In fact, we're not only allowed to, we're told to. Jesus continues with the famous saying, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. It's interesting that in the original, the Greek, ask, seek and knock are all present continuous commands. In other words, they're not one-time actions. Jesus is telling us to ask and go on asking, to seek and go on seeking, to knock and go on knocking. This isn't just a call to prayer, it's a call to persistent prayer. And when we pray and pray and then go on praying some more, sometimes over years or even decades, That can be when we actually see some of the greatest answers to prayer. One big reason I wanted to talk to Pip about prayer is because this is her testimony. After years and decades of struggling prayer, God has done something amazing. What changed? (laughs) Um, We were approached by um, Tim Jupp. Uh, He was the the pianist for Delirious with um, Martin Smith, etc., and they were disbanding um, and needed just a celebration of 15,000 people. And um, they wanted a big enough area to do have this, this celebration, which is going to be a one-off. Um, and they, so Tim arrived and asked if it would be possible to use, he'd been in, to, introduced to us by a friend, um, to use our land, the parkland at, at Wissom. And so, um, yes was the answer. And he had this, they had this this event, 15,000 people, and it was so successful. Everyone camping, it was amazing. Music, incredible. Um, and he said, could we do this again? This was so great, could we do it again? And so that's been going now, I think for 15 or 15 years. Or and it's the biggest Christian festival in Europe. 34,000 people worshiping God. But that's not all, is it? No, absolutely extraordinary. It is extraordinary, because it's, I think those prayers before were cleansing and preparing mm. for this event. Um, in God's timing, obviously. Um, and then David, something called David's Tent, um, which is a, a gathering of people from around the world, worship leaders, and um, and then you and I, people who are, want to partake of, um, of really drinking deep um, of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit. It's mostly based and focused on the worship and the prayer, non-stop for 
for 72 hours with a, with um, with prayer and and how how many people? I think it's about it's about seven thousand, I think. And it's not just the, the festivals that happen once uh, once in a blue moon as well, because the church that you're part of, it's now really come alive as well, hasn't it? Absolutely come. And I tease James Decas. He's the pastor, the vicar. He's the pastor. Oh, sorry, our pastor. And I say, James, you are here because of me. You're the answer <laughs> to my prayers. It's just been a story of building up and encouraging and increasing. And now we've got this extraordinary, I mean, the church is so full that at the 11 o'clock service, it's all youth. There's no room anymore for us oldies. So we have to go to either the nine o'clock. It's just all, it's just. I love testimonies like that. And they inspire me to persevere more with my prayers, even if my situation is very different. But sometimes, no matter how often or long we pray, the answer we want never happens. Now, sometimes over time, we discover reasons why. And many of us will have testimonies of praying for a job or a relationship to work out, only to look back later and thank God for not answering our prayer. But often we don't. I will never know why God didn't answer my prayers when my father died. It doesn't make sense to me. It hasn't achieved lots. I wish it hadn't happened. And I think I always will. And yet, Actually, my testimony in that moment is not one of despair, but hope. Even though my prayers weren't answered as I wanted, I was aware of God's presence and help, holding me, comforting me, loving me in the midst of my darkness. And His presence and help were one of the most real and tangible things I've ever known. Like a small child, I was just held in my father's arms. And when I've read the testimonies of others who've been through far worse than me, that same testimony seems to hold true in the darkest places. I think of Betsy Ten Boom's words, spoken just hours before her death in Ravensbrook concentration camp. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. And for me, in my far lesser darkness, as I lay on my bed the night my dad died, I felt God brought three great verses to my mind. And I want to finish by sharing them. Because what God showed me through them is the best answer I've ever found to these questions of unanswered prayer and pain. In some ways, they don't answer why, but I think they do more. They give us a bigger answer, setting our disappointments in the context of an even greater hope. Helping me trust again, even as I still wonder why. The first verse was Isaiah's prophecy that Jesus was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And I realised that Jesus understood where I was. It felt in some ways as though no one else could, but somehow Jesus did. He knew me better than I knew me. And he knew what it felt like to suffer. And he was with me. That was the the second verse, Jesus's last words in Matthew, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I knew he was there and would carry me through. And then I remembered that this was not the end, not the end of my father's story or even of our story together. Because in Jesus, death is never the end. And I remembered those great words of faith of Job. Actually, I listened to them in the aria from Handel's Messiah. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. 
and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. And I remembered that there is no death or darkness so deep, that God's light will not in the end shine through it. Jesus, our Redeemer, lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and the powers of hell will not stand against him, and darkness will flee, and death give up its prisoners, and we shall see him, and all will be well forever. I don't know why God didn't answer those prayers. You prayed, or I prayed. But I do know that you can still trust him. Amen.